Bibles, please, for our second reading, our Old Testament reading, to Exodus chapter 21. Verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years shall he serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be her master's. And he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. And uh, he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. And if a man sell his daughter to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. If she please not her master, who hath betrothed her to himself, then shall he let her be redeemed. To sell her unto a strange nation, she shall have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully with her. And if he have betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters." If he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her duty of marriage, uh, shall he not diminish. And if he do not these three unto her, then she shall go out free without money. He that smiteth the man so that he die shall surely be put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, Then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. And he that smiteth his father or his mother, he shall surely be put to death. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And if men strive together and one smite another with a stone or with his fist and he die not but keepeth his bed. If he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff then he that smote him shall be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then shalt thou give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. 
And if a man smite the eye of his servant or the eye of his maid, that it perish, he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned and his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and it hath been testified to his owner, and he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give for the ransom of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. Whether he have gored a son or have gored a daughter, according to this judgment shall it be done unto him. If the ox shall punish a manservant or a maidservant, he shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. And if a man shall open a pit, or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. And if one man's ox hurt another's, that he die, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money of it, and the dead ox also shall they divide. Or if it be known that the ox used to push in time past, and his owner hath not kept him in, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead shall be his own. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. This is one of those passages where I'm tempted to simply say, let's not take time for a sermon today and let's just run through this and explain it. Because to 20 or 21st century hearers, this presents some difficulties for us. We don't understand the ancient world and how it worked. And so we don't understand many of these injunctions. We don't understand slavery as it worked in those days and as it was regulated by God. And so we don't understand what God is talking about here. We don't understand the difference between a manservant and a maidservant and how she would be treated as, as opposed to how he would have been treated. And so all of these things sound barbaric in some sense and may i say a modern 21st reader uh, 21st century reader not having that kind of history or biblical knowledge when they read this they're going to say that the christian religion is a barbaric religion beloved we must understand passages like this and you know why we must understand them because in deuteronomy chapter 4 the lord will say to the children of israel You know all those statutes and judgments that I gave you? They will be your righteousness in the sight of the nations around you. They're going to look at you and say, What nation on earth has so great a commandment as these, and a God so near that would instruct them as their God has instructed them? May I say the church has done a very poor job of passages like Exodus chapter 21 in that most folks in our society would read Exodus 21 and say either I don't know what this means or you Christians are barbaric or many Christians will read chapter 21 and they will say what? They'll say something like oh we don't need to worry about that it's Old Testament stuff. 
right? You know, we're, in a, we're in a vacuum of proper knowledge, proper Bible knowledge of such passages as this. So it would be fun, not just fun, instructive, helpful, exciting even, to go through this passage in great detail. We'll not take the time to do that today. But let's pick out a few things that are really, really important here. Okay, so there was a difference in that day between how a Hebrew servant served and how a Gentile servant served. The Lord made a distinction between those who were his people and those who were not his people. And let me say it this way, and let's make sure we remember this in our day of the the easy accusation of racism. Let's remember this, right? Because normally all conversation stops when the word racism is brought out, right? That a Gentile could become, could become, right, a Hebrew in the sense of ecclesiastical by becoming circumcised. That someone could actually be admitted to the Passover meal as a Gentile if they were circumcised. So, when it talks about a Hebrew servant here, We're not just talking about those who are of their same lineage, but let's say they had a Gentile that sojourned among them who had been circumcised, he and his household, and were regular partakers of the Passover if he had fallen on hard times such that, remember, there was no welfare and he needed to sell himself into slavery to eat in that benevolent institution of slavery, then he could do so as a Hebrew for six years, and then in the seventh year, he went out free. Okay? So for those six years, and we will read elsewhere that when he goes out, he'll be well furnished when he goes out. Why? So that he doesn't go out with nothing and has to return back the next month. That he's got a kickstart, a head start on what comes so that he can establish himself again to be able to provide for his family in such a way that he won't have to go back into slavery. This is a benevolent institution that was designed for raising men up. Keeping them in perpetual servitude um, in the sense that they, were, that they were a part of the nation as a Hebrew would not help them at all. Yet, this is what our welfare system does. is It keeps folks in perpetual servitude. And so, in the instance of, of the prisoner and uh, punishments, they become vile. Okay, so if he came in by himself, he goes out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. But if his master has given him a wife, and she had borne him sons and daughters, if he goes out, he goes out by himself. Why? Because that master gave him his wife. That is, that, you know, that he, had, he had purchased that woman and any children that were born, that labor belonged to him. It did not belong to that Hebrew man who was now her husband. And so we, we might see some, some negotiations here going on, right? A Hebrew servant comes into a household. Uh, after a couple of years, he says, hey, would you like this wife, the master says. Well, if he's a wise Hebrew servant, he might say, no, I think I want to find my own, thanks. Or if he... What does it say here? If he loves his master, if this is a great situation, and he wants to become a servant in this house, 
for the rest of his days, then there is a provision for that. And he can have his all, uh, his, his earlobe pierced through with an all. And so everyone that sees him knows that he's spoken for, right? He has a household that he serves. Doesn't that sound weird to our hearing? Why would a slave ever do that? Because of the benefits, beloved. Because it was a wonderful institution as ordained by God. All right, so a lot more there, but moving on to verse 7. If a man sell his daughter to be a maidservant, oh, what monster would do that? A man that has to eat. That's who. And he would want his daughter cared for as well when he can't feed her anymore. Instead of them losing and selling everything that they have so that the only thing they they have left is themselves and they're out in the forest competing with the beasts for food and defending themselves from the beasts. He sells his daughter to, to a household that is established for her good. That's what this means, beloved. This is not a monster that's trying to parlay off his daughter for money. It's a man who has fallen on such hard times that with grief and tears he must part with his daughter so that she can be protected and he can eat. And he might have some connection even with that household and provide for her in that way when he has no other way to do it. Okay, and so there are there are particular strictures that are set around female servants. Normally, that was that there was that, that that was considered a bride price, and the master of that house would have her to his wife, or he would purchase her for his son in that way, that she would be cared for in the household in that way. But notice that there are ways that if that was thwarted or disappointed then she might be able to go out. But her maintenance was always required, and if he failed her in that, she went out for free. And she she was then free to be attached to another household instead. What happens today? Well, we know we have WIC. Right? Everyone in the society pays money into a fund that is given to women and their children that they may live independently of a household. And so children are raised without... Male influence. And we'll not take the time to go down that road today, but we all know what kind of results that has yielded to our society. All right, move on then to 11. Or sorry, verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he die, he shall surely be put to death. Now here we have have levels of guilt. We have accidental death and fleeing to a city of refuge. Then we have presumptuously or with malice aforethought or lying in wait as it's elsewhere described. And this is murder and it's punishable only by death. Accidental death is also punishable, beloved. Self-defense is the only kind of of, uh, personal killing in scripture that is without punishment. If you're defending yourself, you go free. If you accidentally kill someone, you must flee to the city of refuge. There is some penalty that is paid. There, um, the, the presumption there that is that there, there is probably some sort of negligence. Now, there is a trial also that takes place with all of that. Okay, so then uh, verse, verses 15 and 17. 
children. I hope you were listening. We heard earlier from Ephesians 6. Now we hear from 15 and 17 that if you strike your father or your mother or you curse your father or your mother, that's a capital crime. You can be put to death for that. Not that it took place in every instance, but that that was a just punishment for that. There is such a thing as repentance and there is such a thing as forgiveness. However, if a, if a father or a mother upon hearing such things uh, would be driven to take the child of their love to the civil magistrate, we know that it has gone far beyond a single instance or sin. All right, so then in verse 16, he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if it be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. So now we have to drop the other shoe in this horrible rap that biblical slavery has gotten. You see, man stealing. Paul will, will repeat this in First Timothy chapter 1. The law is made for, for sinners like man stealers. What is man stealing then? Some have said that seeing that man stealing is forbidden, then all forms of slavery are forbidden. And yet here we have it in the same chapter. This man giving up himself. to Well, that's voluntary servitude. So all involuntary servitude then is forbidden by Scripture. And that even that is not true. So when we get to our reading in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 7, we'll hear what man stealing truly is. There's greater detail there. It's a private enterprise. You say, boy, I've got more cattle and more ranch than I know what to do with. So I'm going to go uh, maybe two counties over and find some careless uh, ranch owner. I'm going to steal a couple of his sons. And I'm going to bring them over. He'll never know. I'll go by night and I'll take them out in the middle of the night and I'll make them serve on my ranch instead. That's man-stealing. And that, beloved, is indeed a capital crime. But when countries go out and fight against another country and they take slaves as the spoils of war, that's not man-stealing. In fact, that is, that is said in Scripture to be a just uh, movement of, of uh, manpower, if you will. If God give a particular nation the victory. And in the case of the Israelites, when they took slaves back to Israel with them, remember that those unbelieving slaves came into contact with the true religion and were circumcised when they became part of a household and went to the synagogue with them and went to the Passover with them and to the Feast of Weeks and to the Feast of Booths with those males that traveled. And so they were exposed to the true religion. And while there were many abuses in the slave trade of the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries in this country and in the West, let us also remember that that slave trade brought many into contact with the gospel, whereas they never would have heard of the gospel and would have been ruled over by horrid Muslim taskmasters that didn't care if they lived or died. So if we're going to tell the history Let's tell all of the history, right? Okay, so beyond that then, notice the protection of servants in verse 20. If a man smite his servant or is made with a rod and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Literally, he shall be avenged. What does that mean? It means, master, that you die. That's what it means. If you beat your servant to death in the field, he dies. If he continues a day or two, what does that mean? If you exact corporal punishment on him 
and you go overboard, you will not be punished. Why? Because you've harmed your own household already. He is his money. That's what that means. And so there is a natural tendency not to do that. The man that is going to uh, beat a slave to death in the field, he's a man that needs to die. Period. The one that, that loses control and sorrows for the death of his slave, uh, he shall not be punished for he is his money. He recognizes his sin. Why? Because he didn't die immediately. It was an accidental thing. Okay, so accidents, you know, accidental death and intentional death, uh, death and rage, those are separated in Scripture. That's what we see here. All right. Um, I, I skip verses 18 and 19. It's a very good principle about making someone whole if you injure them. We carry that with them in our law books today, although sometimes we then do this thing that's called punitive or uh, you know, pain and suffering thing, and, and then that gets way out of proportion. Uh, making whole is the biblical prescription here. All right, so then um, verse 22 and uh, through 25, if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her. I've heard people that are in favor of abortion point to this. You see, the child is not worth anything. I don't know how they get that from reading it. It seems to me that two men are fighting and inadvertently the woman gets involved, the pregnant woman, and, that, and she is struck in such a way inadvertently, accidentally, that her fruit depart from her that, her, that, that she miscarries. And notice that there is a penalty to be paid for that. that. That's not worthlessness. That's recognizing the future worth of that child. So that's odd that people would say that, but they do. And then if any mischief follow, that is, that it's not just the miscarriage, but that the woman um, uh, becomes a target of one of those men, right? Oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to injure you and your wife, right? Well then, what happens? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life, hand for hand, foot for foot, right? Lex talionis, in other words. All right, so now uh, verses 26 and 27. Uh, if you get too froggy with your corporal punishment of your servants, if you put out their eye or put out their tooth, they go free. You forfeited the right to be their master. You see, cruelty was always forbidden. And I think that we, we could reason beyond this, right? Uh, that, that if it's the eye or the, or the tooth, it's also any other kind of like injury to that. All right, so now we have the goring ox in verses 28 through 32. A very interesting passage of Scripture. There are, there are general equity implications of this with regard to intentionality and knowledge. Right, The ox uh, went out, he, he got out of his confinement and he killed a man. But the owner didn't know that the ox was dangerous. The natural understanding of an ox is that he's a docile animal that can be moved about. That's why we love oxen, right? That's why we like the beeves. Why do we like them? Because they're great, big, strong, powerful animals that are easily managed, right? They're not like buffalo, which is what? Find out what they want to do and help them, right? They're, they're, they're more like domesticated, right? They, they will, they'll pull a cart. They'll plow your field. They will, uh, they will provide you milk. They don't, they don't get... You know, sometimes you can have... 
some that are unruly, but they're domesticable. And so you don't think of them as, as a wild animal that's going to hurt someone. But when one gets loose and does, if you didn't know that he was wont to hurt, you're not guilty in that. Well, there are all kinds of implications in that, right? We have these natural things that, part, that we partake of all the time. We've used this as an example for why we don't wear masks when we're healthy. Because the assumption is, when, we, when we're asymptomatic, we're not infectious. And so we don't have to worry about that. These are, these are all general equity principles that come flowing out of a passage like this. All right, but beyond that then, notice, if it's been testified to him, notice, on the mouth of two or three witnesses, that the ox was dangerous, well, then he is guilty. And so that's a criminal negligence at that point, and he will be put to death on almost every case. But because it was still accidental, although it was negligent, the people that have suffered the loss, they may say, no, instead, we want to be immersed a certain amount of money instead, because it was accidental, right? He didn't go out and kill the man. His ox got out. And although it was negligent on his part, they could demand his death, or they could demand to be remunerated instead and reimbursed for that death, right? Because... Beloved, let's just be honest about it. While some romanticists uh, recoil in horror at this, there is an amount of money that you could reasonably expect in the labor of that son or daughter in your household that would labor in your house. And so you should be immersed that if you say, no, you shouldn't be killed, but you will reimburse us a reasonable sum for the death of our son or our daughter because we, we understood that we were going to have help from them in this. Right? And so all of that is, that's, you know, real uh, property to be understood and reimbursed at that point. Okay? But only upon an accidental affair, not upon uh, intentional killing. Then there are also, you know, the fight between two oxen and so on. Let's move on then. If a man shall open a pit, or if he shall dig a pit and not cover it, ox or ass fall in, the owner of the pit shall make it good. Right? And so on. Finally then, we, we talk about uh, combat between two oxen. And remember, the owners are the responsible parties. And there is judgment to be made in such cases as this. And remember that judgments are binding. And so we have the necessity of a civil authority. So when we talk about a passage like Exodus 21, 22, 23, we're remembering that these are adaptations of the Ten Commandments that God brought to the children of Israel at the base of Sinai. They heard this book read in their hearing, and then they swore to follow the Lord in all of these judgments. And we'll remember one more thing in Deuteronomy chapter 17, that once they got to the place in the land where they had a place where God chose to set his name, that if any appeal came to that supreme civil court, and the Supreme Ecclesiastical Court in that day, and someone refused to hear the judgment of the Supreme Court, that that too was a capital crime. Why? Because there must be order in our societies. With that then, let's stand and continue.